So good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. We're here for the uh, the fourth episode of uh, our application. Um, so we're focusing on different topics that are deeply intertwined in the culture of black culture and the in black and African culture in general. Um, so we focus, you know, we started off talking with music, some solid, solid episodes. Uh, my boy Damon Square and uh, Will Believe, if you haven't checked those out. Last one, we had Courtney Beasley in here. She was a, you know, psychologist, licensed psychologist. And that was, I mean, that was some eye-opening stuff. So now... We on that. We on the next level. We're with. Uh, we decided to uh, stick with the mental health field. Now we're in social work. So today we're with uh, my blood, my kin, who uh, just recently uh, graduated. I'm not going to tell you before I let her do all the honors for that. But uh, my cousin Dana Sykes. Hi, hi. Hello. How you doing, cuz? I'm doing good. Doing Thanks good. for having me on your show. No, oh, no, no. Of course, of course. Um, I mean, you've put in a lot of hard work and uh, done a lot for the community, so we gotta, we gotta get those thoughts out and uh, let the world to hear it, right? Um, yeah, I'm trying. Right. <laughs> so, of course, I've known you. I grew up with you, known you my mm-hmm. whole life, of course. Uh, but for those who don't don't have you as a cousin, can you just give us give us a little backstory about who you are and uh, you know where you're coming from? Um. Okay. Well. I've always lived in Vallejo, Vallejo, California, here in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And um, so my parents are from, like, you know, our moms are from El Cerrito. Mm-hmm. They say Oakland, El Cerrito. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then my dad's from Oakland. And so um, we, we growing up, we will always be in, like, Oakland and El Cerrito, Richmond, and Vallejo to come and go to sleep and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, so... Um, growing up, I ran track and I would be in Richmond and Oakland a lot and with a lot of youth from those areas. Mm-hmm. And, um, let's see, I went to school around here. Mm-hmm. I went, to, I went to Benicia and I graduated from Hercules and then I went off to Arizona state, mm-hmm. um, finished there in 2013. And then mm-hmm. I started working. I came back. And since I grew up, you know, in Richmond, Oakland, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to explore a new area of the Bay. And so I um, looked for work over in Marin because there's no toll mm-hmm. <laughs> from Vallejo. And so the traffic, though. That's before traffic, but it wasn't as bad. It's gotten, it's gotten it was worse. Horrible now. But um, yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it's overpopulated here. Mm-hmm. But um, so I worked over there and I started off in Marin City. Mm-hmm. I remember at the job interview, it was at Davidson. Mm. I remember at the job interview, uh, the lady who was hiring me, she was like, you're like good for the kids in Marin, that at this location, Marin City location. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was going to have a summer job. It was a little part-time after school program job, mm-hmm. but like working in Marin City, I learned, I never grew up with kids. I never had to manage them either mm-hmm. that were like, they solve their problems by fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's a problem. Drop the backpack. Mm-hmm. Fighting. Like, mm-hmm. um, no, we can't yeah. do that. Guys, yeah, you right. Know? So, like, I was just like, it was culture shock for me. Mm-hmm. Black kids. Mm-hmm. That's how they was doing stuff. I was like, yeah, that's great. I mean, like, you could be. So, you don't like, have to censor yourself. It's curve. good. It's good. This is this is for oh, all. Okay. This is whoever podcast we we could put the little okay. explicit if we need to, but. <laughs> Yeah, no. So just being over there. And so um, from there, I started working at uh, a little group. I'm not going to name any like specific places because I don't know. <laughs> I don't want you to get no backlash or nothing. So, You're you know, if I give you enough context, you could plug in the puzzles and pieces. <laughs> so I started working at um, this group home over there in Marin. Mm-hmm. And um, those the kids who live there, a lot of them are like foster youth and they needed like extreme like care like they couldn't live in a home that could provide them care they need to be like in a congregate congregate care setting mm-hmm. 
but people who are trained to help them. So mm. I did that for a while. Mm-hmm. But I realized that, like, the therapists were all not, they're not black. Mm. The kids are black, though. Mm-hmm. Most of the kids who live there are little black boys. It's a boys' spot. Mm-hmm. So most of the kids who live there are, like, black boys. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, this is, like, leading into, like, what how I got into social work. Mm-hmm. And um, so the therapists weren't black. And I remember talking to these two boys. Like, one boy would, like, get escalated and just tear stuff up. Like, tear up the whole house. Yeah. Like, rip up the microwave, slam the doors, break the windows, like all type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then this, they were getting older and I told them, you know, like, this is, this is what's happening to you, but like, it's not your life. Like, this is your life right now. This doesn't have to be your life forever. You know, like, you know what the most dangerous black thing in, a, um, in America is? And they're like, what? I was like, educated black man. Mm. Like, what? what? No. <laughs> yeah. And then like, <laughs> then like the white lady supervisor, she comes in and she's like, oh, God, I'm trying to change the subject. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, in that moment, I was like, okay. Like, you got to do more because, like, if you're in that position and you could be like, oh, no, change the subject, like, you should be like, yeah, that's right. Like, this is not what's happening. This is what's happening to you. It's not your life, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, you touched on a couple of, uh, interesting ones that hit, you know, straight to home. Like, when I worked at uh, Richmond Mm -hmm. Powell, um, one thing it's like we all like growing up in two parent household, especially black household. Um, we, we had a lot mm-hmm. of benefits, right? And a lot of things that uh, uh, you probably grew up being in, you know, Vallejo and moving around. You had a lot of friends mm-hmm. who didn't have that. Right. So you see the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. You see the, you know, the mm-hmm. disadvantages not having it. And I worked in Richmond Village yeah. for almost two years. And I yeah. saw like even when it knows Richmond, knows Easter Hill, Richmond Village, they know. I mean, it has a reputation. But like I saw like you talking about kids handle things in fighting. Whenever they got mad at each other, there was no way to like. There's no, no one was going to walk away. No one was going to sit down. It was just fighting. There's fights like every single day. And it's like, it gets to the point where it's like, I used to have to tell the kids, like one day, like you have to, you know, not everyone wants to fight one, but it's like, you can't handle your problems this way. And you're feeding, feeding into right. the stereotypes, kind of like what you're talking about. Yes. Um, yes. You touched on something yes. that was interesting though. So you mentioned something about, uh, you know, what kind of got you into social work. So, and kind of like the, that one moment where you had the, uh, I don't know what to call her. I guess a coordinator, instructor, whatever you want to call her, how she kind yeah. of like try to push away the message of black liberation or empowerment, right? So mm-hmm. how do, how would yeah. you say that kind of led into your work in social work and how that motivated you in general? Um, I could say being there, like, okay, like I said, the therapist would be like not black. Mm-hmm. So the kids not trying to talk mm-hmm. to you. I mean, yeah, you're getting them stuff and they might talk to you, but it's taking you like, imagine if somebody looked like them was coming to talk to them. Imagine how more helpful that would mm-hmm. be, like, how much further they would probably learn to trust and, you know, move through their trauma or, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. So that, it's just like a disconnect. Mm-hmm. It's a disconnect. Like, we love the culture, but, like, to be Black every day, you just don't know. And I literally wrote that in my entrance paper to go to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Like, I just hit a nail on the head, like, every time, you know, like, I work in this place, the therapists aren't Black. Um, they got a bunch of black kids, Mm -hmm. the staff are black, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, the frontline staff Mm -hmm. are black and, um, I'll touch more on Mm -hmm. that later, like how the frontline staff and how you move Mm -hmm. up and how, who you, who you working with changes. Mm -hmm. So, um, let me into social work. So it's it's a disadvantage, right? So I wanted to become, and then I moved back to Vallejo from being gone for like four years. And I was like, ish. I'm sorry. It's trash. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say mm-hmm. it because it's no resources. They needed to fund, for sure, they need to fund the Vallejo mm-hmm. police. Um, they're like one of the top places that 
uh, their officers are shooting the citizens. Um, so, and I have two black sons, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's a problem for me and I pay money in this community. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's important you know, like I grew up here, I pay money here. It only makes sense that I'm trying to make it like, I'm trying to do something to make it Mm -hmm. better. Um, ideally I would love to have like a community Mm -hmm. center that like offers education and just like a one-stop shop Mm -hmm. for families and kids and Mm -hmm. all of that. Um, so, yeah. but that's what's got me into social work, like trying to make the elevate black people better, the community, mm-hmm. like stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and seeing those disparities, definitely. Um, so that, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that goes right into my next point. So one thing, of course, I always, I did it with the uh, Courtney last week with the, you know, getting the psych a little bit and then delve into the stats. So I had to, you know, I was curious about social work too as well. So when I looked it up, um, there was a couple stats that were interesting to me and some surprising ones. One, and well, it wasn't surprising. Um, one site said it was 85% white. That's, you know, male, female combined, but the field is 85% white, which I looked up some more and apparently it seems like it's around 56, apparently some sites say 56, some say 80, like I said, percent white. Right. So seeing that disparity, how did, how did it affect you? Your, you know, you being in the classroom, you, you know, one is getting the field in general. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I wrote when I post my pictures on, um, Instagram, I had wrote the last thing I wrote was like at the bottom of like the experience of getting mm-hmm. into school. I was like, I remember walking into the social welfare library at Cal and being like, where do mm-hmm. black people at? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how, how I was like, why are there no mm-hmm. black people here? I don't know. I was, like I said earlier, I was a frontline staff. So oh, I also got, I also work at, um, the hall here in Solano mm-hmm. County. So like even there, the staff are mostly yeah. black or mixed. Like it's a diverse group mm-hmm. of people, but there's definitely a lot of black people, you know, but at Berkeley, there's like a hand, literally a handful of black mm-hmm. students. There's a handful of black faculty, mm-hmm. but like the, their focus is in vulnerable populations. So a lot of the curriculum is about disparities mm-hmm. and you know who's number one in disparities is mm-hmm. black people because you know as we're talking about right now in the current times systemically is set up mm-hmm. to be that way like yesterday i saw you post on facebook to your that ridiculous mm-hmm. comment that um how like systemically black people are the ones who are affected all that their mm-hmm. highest rate like the low we got a low mm-hmm. minority mm-hmm. here in the united states yeah. But yeah, 12%, but we're number one in everything mm-hmm. that's messed up. Like our kids getting mm-hmm. suspended or our kids getting shot, being, we're being brutalized mm-hmm. by the police or mm-hmm. we're in prison, which is part of the 13th mm-hmm. Amendment, but we don't, yeah. we don't want to go that's, into all yeah, that that's, down that's that That's a whole different road. episode. We'll get on that though one day. <laughs> yeah. Or mm-hmm. healthcare, like who's dying in the labor, who's, lab- who's dying in labor mm-hmm. and delivery. So Even in Corona, um, right? We'll see another thing right now. Even the coronavirus, mm-hmm. everything, you know, like, it's just, you know, like Tupac said, we're not meant to survive mm-hmm. as a setup. That's mm-hmm. so real. And it's, yeah, understanding that these systems, so. and then it's like, that's one thing I, I real, one realized that I got older, you know, that it's like, I went to, you know, grew up in Richmond and stayed in, you know, that schooling system until I was about eighth grade. And then I went to Terra Linda and had my eyes open. That's what in San Rafael and Marin County, you don't know. And had my eyes open mm-hmm. and I hated it. Like I honestly hated it. But now when I look back on it, I was like, man, those were like the most, like some of the most productive years of my life. Cause if I didn't know how to deal with that a group of people who, and how understand how they really thought of me or understand like how they live in general, I would never, I've never known. 
And then I would have been living on, there's a book, I believe it's, you know, from War One or about French ghettos, but how the other side lives and how the other half lives. And that's mm. how it felt for me. It was like, man, I've never seen this in Richmond. I've never seen this anywhere else. This is crazy. Little kid, these 15 year olds got beamers, this, this and that. But also what it, it empowered me because I'm like, well, if they can get it, if there's whole communities of people who have millions of dollars, why can't I go get it? There's no black people here, but I'm not. Right. There's no reason that black. Not, you can't say that black people aren't as smart as white people. We all have the same size brains, so it's like if that motivated me, yes. and I was like, you know what? They had, they live in all these nice cushy life. I want that. I'm gonna go and get that. And that's. I mean, it was just a funny thing, but it was like it was it was eye opening for me because it's like if you don't see that, you don't really know what the world you can, the world you can have and the world you deserve really. Yeah, you know, you brought uh, some good. Are you still going? No, no, you're good. You're good. You brought some good points. I know I'm, I'm over here doing bad, like waiting to respond. I'm like, okay, remember that, remember that. No, but like, good, I think you brought up something that like even affects us. Like, you're like, I go over here to Marin and I had a similar experience, right? So, first, I could say, like, I first started going to school at private school. Like, I didn't want to get, I wasn't going to get into all this, but like, I first mm-hmm. started in private school at El Sobrani, And then that's where I learned like the principle of treat people how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that's like how I moved through the world. And so I tried to at least, mm-hmm. <laughs> but and so then I started going to school in Vallejo. I went to school in Vallejo for like five years, like the end of elementary and middle school. And mm-hmm. I saw the difference too. I mean, I definitely knew more. Like, there's definitely difference in private school, but like mm-hmm. when I got to middle school, I went to Vallejo here in middle school, and then I refused to keep going here. I was like, it's terrible here. Like mm-hmm. at a, at the age of 12, 13, I was like, it's bad. Like I don't want to keep going to school out here. And so I was actually went to, that's how I ended up going to Benicia. And Benicia was like, your experience in Marin, mm-hmm. like that's, Benicia is literally, I don't even have to go over water. So I just like hop six on the miles? freeway and go over one city over, mm-hmm. whole different, like culture shock. Yeah. I'm like, I went from being the smartest in the class to being the only black person in the class. Mm-hmm. Like in the classroom, looking around like, oh, mm-hmm. is he mixed? It's just me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like yeah. so I get that Marin experience. Mm-hmm. But also, like you said, like, that experience is like, okay, well, they got this over here. Like, we can have this too. Like, how come we can't have this? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on over there where, where, where we don't have this? You know, like, that's that, that I think having that experience at that adolescent age would kind of teach you, like, there's more to get and, like, what the hell is going on? Like, why mm-hmm. they got that over there? Mm-hmm. You Ex- know? Exactly. Then you find out what it takes to get to that. You make those moves at younger age beside you. And, but, but if you wait until it's like you, 40, 50 years old, you got kids, family, everything that. And you're like, man, I want to live how they live. And it's like, sorry, man, the time, your your time is run out. Like your your window is run out, you know, for that. You still have a chance, of course. Anyone can make money at any age. But right, we know it's right. a whole lot harder to probably come up with that money if you're in your 50s rather than your 20s, 30s, you know. So seeing that at a younger age and have that motivate you and create that generational wealth is a is a huge thing, especially, you know, for Facts. me. Facts. Uh, yeah. So looking at more in the stats, getting a little bit. So a bit, one that oh, really yes, like right. this is one that confused me. So like or confused okay, me okay. or like intrigued me. I'll say that. So if we're looking at okay. the race and ethnicity, 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 that's <laughs> where I know how to say that word, y'all, <laughs> of uh, people who graduated from a social with a social work degree. So if we're looking at the masters or people with just a bachelor's, so we'll, we'll just look at just a couple. So for if you're white, for example, it's you it's a fifty percent, fifty three percent chance of a uh, or the percentage of 50, 53% of the graduates are white for who have a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. but when it comes to a master's degree, 57% of them is white, right? So mm-hmm. when we look at black people in general, 21% of that breakdown is black when it comes to bachelor's degree who are with a so, uh, degree in social work with a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to master's degree, it drops to 16. That's a pretty significant drop mm-hmm. for something that's only 20%. It drops about 
five percent, right? We look at yeah. we look at Hispanic and Latino, it's fifteen percent, and with bachelors, and then we look at the masters, it goes thirteen percent. So just looking at mm. we just look at those some of those groups. Every for everybody besides Asians, Americans, and whites, it goes down for as far as a bachelor's degree to master's degree. So if I were to look at why do you think there's a percentage of you know black people who tend to just end I guess end most of their their uh, education when it comes to social work with a bachelor's? Do you think it's more you know financial and be able to you know the access to resources and opportunities, or do you really think kind of like how you felt almost when you got into the field? You're like, man, there's a whole bunch of I'm like. But the white people here, to be honest, like, I don't feel, I almost still feel welcome here. I don't even know if I want to continue on with this process anymore. I just want to work with the people. You know what I mean? I don't care about getting a degree at this point. I don't even care if I make less money. I just want to go out there and help my people. So I just want to know how much you feel like it's really like, do you think it's a financial and a resource thing? Why it's, you know, of course, I'm not assuming that all, you know, people can't afford, Mm -hmm. like people can afford things, but we know there's a disparity of, of wealth, right? But all, right. So do you think it's more of a wealth financial thing or do you think it's really like people just not motivated to want to finish and deal with that headache anymore? That's tough, mm-hmm. right? Um, I hope nobody that's going to social work is like giving up like, oh, no, there's too many white people. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Yeah, right. I hope not. Like you shouldn't be in social yeah. work. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wrong field. <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. Like to piggyback off something you said earlier, like going to those white schools like being immersed in the white culture you're right it does prepare you i remember my friend's mom because i used my else's address and my friend's mom was like this is what it's like in the workforce like you're gonna go out there and everybody mm-hmm. is white so like this is the best place for you to figure out mm-hmm. how to navigate like you said earlier like then that, that's you, mm-hmm. you once you feel how to navigate it early i mean it's, this is how we function in the world of, as black people right like like oh wow you gotta mm-hmm. learn how to navigate but to speak of statistics, you know, yes, you know, like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I hope nobody's mm-hmm. quitting. Like, I can imagine if you grew up in, mm-hmm. like, inner city or a vulnerable, pop, a vulnerable population, a vulnerable area, maybe becoming immersed mm-hmm. in all the white people <laughs> in the field mm-hmm. might make you uncomfortable. Yeah. But, like, I think it's also that mm-hmm. the other end of the spectrum is, like, it's kind of our responsibility. It's not our responsibility, but, like, we, we're in that place where we can help, like, move our people forward and move the field forward and make change. Like that's mm-hmm. why we're here. So hopefully mm-hmm. I hope no one's quitting and being like, there's too many white people. That's maybe social work isn't for you. I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully not the case, but if it is, it is what it is. Yeah. What it is. But I totally could see like, okay, I don't know if I, my education was paid for through foster care. So that's title four E. Mm-hmm here in California. Mm-hmm. It might be national, but here in California, Title IV E pays for it. And so that's CPS. I go to CPS for two years. They pay $37,000 and my education is paid for. I commit two years after mm. I graduate. So like, mm. that's a blessing because mm-hmm. I have two kids and a mortgage. I don't know how I would have gotten through grad school without that stipend. Mm-hmm. So um, like I mm. literally quit my full-time benefit job to go back to school. But I don't think mm-hmm. I would have done that if I didn't get that stipend. So I definitely mm-hmm. think cost plays a role. Like, mm-hmm. it's it costs. Berkeley is like the number three program in social welfare, mm-hmm. and it costs about forty thousand dollars just for tuition alone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, a t- cost is definitely definitely mm-hmm. plays a role in access but you can go to a, a more affordable school uh, you can go yeah. to definitely. a state school definitely, and definitely. pay mm-hmm. 
damn near a quarter of that. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's all it depends on what you want to. How much debt you want to get? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, how much (laughs) debt you're willing to go in? Like that's also part of the problem, right? We talk about like this is that's also a setup. Like, oh, you go to school, you get this money, now you're in debt, and that affects who's disproportionately affected there? Black people, you know. So, and I mean. Damn, damn if you do, damn if right? you don't. Right, and even for me, for a while, I mean, for what kept me from continuing my education, because I was like, oh, I got to go $20,000 in debt? Oh, no. Like, and then it's like, that's the thing. And it's like, why was, like, I mean, as a business, you got to invest in yourself, like invest in your business to get in, you know, get out something, right? But at the same time, looking at it, I didn't see that, like, when I was younger, I didn't see a benefit of investing $20,000 in school, right? Because I was like, well, why would I want to do yeah. that, right? But at a young age, I was never really taught of the benefits or what it can do, right? But I went, when I went to these schools mm. around, you know, with these white kids, like I was saying, and saw them who took school really seriously and went a hundred K in debt to go to these yeah. private schools, whatever, you know, private universities. And now they come out making 120 K they come out of school making 130 K. Mm. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. Well, I know I can do what they're doing right mm-hmm. now. Like I just, I, maybe I should apply, you know, invest in myself more, but it's also that, that fear at the beginning. I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go into debt or that trust of the system in general, you know, the education system. Yeah. Facts, the trust mm-hmm. of the system. Do you, but do you think, like, these white kids, do you think they went into debt or they had money, their parents had money to pay for mm-hmm. to go to school? Well, I mean, that's two points. Like, I know some, um, like my girlfriend right now, she paid for, you know, school herself. Um, she's white, but she went, mm-hmm. you know, paid for school herself, worked full time, and, you know, it was crazy stuff. She didn't have, I mean, she mm-hmm. her parents, you know, had their own issues, and she, she didn't grow up with the typical household, you know what I mean? Typical, I guess... Mm-hmm. Brady Bunch household, whatever people want to think of. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I know plenty of people who like, like, oh yeah, my parents, I not just school, but it's like, oh, I bought a house. And I was like, oh, you can afford a house right now? And they're like, yeah, my parents gave me 40K. I was like, what? Like, your parents mm-hmm. can do that? You know? And mm-hmm. so that's also mm-hmm. the thing. It's I haven't necessarily maybe seen it in school. I don't know, because I've, you know, I don't not really in their pockets. But when it comes to like buying homes and stuff mm-hmm. outside of school. I've seen people be like, oh, yeah, well, my fam's helping me with, you know, they give me 10K or 15K. And I'm like, oh, you know, that must be nice. And so that disposable income, but that's part of generational wealth, you know, that comes from right now, you know, building right now. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think for sure uh, generational wealth mm-hmm. plays a role in that. But it's just like, um, like economics, mm-hmm. you know, black people, we don't also, we, I feel like we also don't have, because of the different disparities, it's hard to get into the game. You know, like a lot of our families, they don't, they don't own the property, but like, you know, property ownership is how, one way mm-hmm. how we get money, like mm-hmm. life insurance. I don't know how many black people I see, they die and they got to go fund me. Like, you do, you know how much life insurance costs? Like, yeah, you know, like if you had life insurance, it'll cost pay for itself and you're not even paying that much money for it. So I don't know. I just think like the financial education Mm -hmm. plays a role in it too. Like we don't know because we haven't had the opportunity to have Mm -hmm. generational wealth. So I don't know. Like, I mean, where do you get the information from? Like, I feel like you have to know somebody who can kind of help you. I can honestly say for me, like I've had family help. I think also too, that plays a role with black people. Like we have to learn mm-hmm. to stick together to, for everybody to grow. Like I know this, my um, the lady who helps me with my life insurance, like her family, mm-hmm. they work together. Like her brother, they all lived in one house. They saved up their money to get other property, like refinance, help mm-hmm. the brother get his house mm-hmm. and start a business. You know, mm-hmm. like they stick together. And so I just think like if black people, to, to learn that, you know, like, 
if you can live at your mom's house to save money, then you can go get a house too. Now your mm-hmm. mom's trying to collect money. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. trying to collect on her house. Like, mm-hmm. be patient, mom. You know, like, together everyone achieves more. So I just think, hopefully. Yeah, and that's, there. I think it even maybe, you know, some crab in a bucket mentality generational from slavery, you know, that I think part of those things that still linger. Because if you yeah. look at the Latino community right now, like, they, you know, like, they're, it's a sur- they're surging in America and they're, you know, their most thriving community right now because of, you know, how unified they are and how much they support each other. Right. I went to, uh, yeah, yeah. I went to uh, mm-hmm. something in Richmond last year is about um, um, getting citizenship for a lot of middle school students. Right. And so there was, I guess there was a certain mm-hmm. groups from certain middle schools and uh, the Richmond auditorium and they filled mm-hmm. it up. It was about like 5,000 people there for middle school kids middle school kids to get citizenship and it was crazy like and i thought to myself i said what would it take honestly what would it take for black community to gather like this besides the sport besides the sport what would it take and i'm being serious and that was the sad part besides the sad that was the sad part i was like unless it was their their child who's going to be a star running back at usc or whatever next year i was like what would it take for them to do that and that's one thing you know that i'm like is motivation it's sad because i'm thinking like i i'm like damn i don't know if i can really think of anything Besides, you know, the norm of music, sports, whatever. And I'm like, you know, it's more motivation. Be like, you know what? I'm going to find, mm-hmm. like, we're going to be the reason to give this next generation things to hold around. Or we're going to celebrate more of our accomplishments so we can, you know, get people unified in bigger groups and celebrate our, our people, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's why I really want to get, like, a community center going for, like, vulnerable groups of people. And mostly, I just want, mm-hmm. I want to be straight up and say it's for Black people, okay? We need mm-hmm. help. We got to help ourselves. Um, I would love to do it without government help. Like if I could just get it grant funded or, you know, not really, <sighs> because when you get the government involved, that's when you start having problems mm-hmm. and they were trying to shut you down and, but you know, they don't want to see, they don't want to see you doing your thing. Like that's why they bombing. That's why they mm-hmm. tore up previous mm-hmm. economies of black people because they know, like I said earlier, like mm-hmm. they're scared of our greatness. Yeah, exactly. They that's, but you it's know, I don't know. They think, you know, know, once you unify, even if it's all colors in general, once you unify, I mean, that's what we keep all the distractions and we can get out the things that are actually hurting people, not just black people and brown people, but people as a whole in general. It's like once we come together and, you know, unify as races within races and then, you know, get together as a people, I mean, we could, the world could be a beautiful place, especially America with all the cultures we have here. It's like, it should be a lot more uni- united and, uh, I guess, joined, I guess, more of a family feeling than it, it is. And it's, it's sad. Um, so one last question I have for you, Kyle, before we talk into something else. It's like, what, how would you, if you were to say your experience, mm-hmm. describe your experience at, at Cal. We're not, I, this is not a, you know, not, not Cal or anything like that. It's a great school. If I had the opportunity, I would go to mm-hmm. Cal too. But how do you feel like your experience uh, <laughs> differed in the classroom as a black woman going to Cal? And how do you feel like they supported you as a black student there? Um, I feel like I had a unique experience because, um, so it's a two year program. And then mm-hmm. I got in my cohort, there's 15 of us. Um, the lady who, so I was under two black women, like the lady who ran the mm-hmm. child title for E child welfare scholars. She was a black lady. Mm-hmm. Then our instructor, she was like a young black lady. So like, and then I had at least a lot of my classmates in title for E were Latina mm-hmm. And it, like most of us are di- were diverse, and I also had like a black mm-hmm. friend who was there with me in mm-hmm. a struggle. So you know, I think a couple of black friends. 
Like, yeah. Specifically in my cohort, I had one, but there's other black people there. Who yeah. we all, you know, we got, we got to sit together mm-hmm. while they also at the lunch table together, you know, like we got to sit together. So, um, for me, and then mm. this last year, we got a black dean, a black woman dean, because mm-hmm. before we had this white dude, and he was disconnected. Mm-hmm. But like the black, we got this black woman dean, okay, and she okay. like makes Soul Train references in her like uh, send outs. It's so cute. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I feel like she speaks from the soul. Mm-hmm. You can totally see the difference in like the leadership. And like, um, so I had a very unique experience. I had the opportunity. Wait, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I answer the question too. Ask me the question again. What we're talking you about. You good? Yeah. You good? So you good? In the and just make, you know, just talking about how you feel like supported. Yeah, you. I felt. Yeah, I felt supported. They... Like I definitely mm-hmm. think Cal could be better. Of course, you know, it's a mm-hmm. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's an institution. Anything, yeah. Yeah. It's a system yeah, at the exactly. end of the day. So yeah. like, it still has those mm-hmm. same systemic racial issues, like the lack mm-hmm. of black people. Like we're talking about black issues, mm-hmm. and as a black woman, mm-hmm. I had the first year I had just had a baby. Like my baby was five months old. I was still in there, like having to take uh, pumping breaks in the in between classes. Mm-hmm. Like I had a little mm-hmm. baby. So like, mm-hmm. um, so sometimes like when you first go in and teach you about. Um, the different levels of care in social work. So there's mm-hmm. like macro, which is like that mm-hmm. the higher level, like government and policy and like overall community. Like we're trying to work on communities and like the top. And then there's like micro when there's like, we're focusing on the individual person inside that macro mm-hmm. system. So like mm-hmm. just learning about, like they talked about health disparities and they talk about different mm-hmm. theories and, um, like the race theory, the critical race theory is like something very important. It's a theory, but like it's facts. Like that is really happening mm-hmm. to people out here. I don't know what theory you're talking about. That's people experience. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but exactly. um, you know, there's a moment where we talked about like the disparity of black women, of black people not being believed for being in pain and how that affects them. Like we heard Serena and I don't know about Beyonce too, but like luckily um, I had an overall good experience birthing my kids, but you know, what we talk about in class, I live, you know, like at one in mm-hmm. the policy, like, well, yeah, you have to be careful. Like you could die having a kid like that mm-hmm. is messed up. Like we are going mm-hmm. into the field and you, and people, y'all do people, y'all people in here do have privilege to make change in these systems. That's why we are in mm-hmm. this classroom. So like, I just want to hopefully like when I would chime in, people would get that, you know, like this real people, you know, somebody, you see me, that means, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who experiences this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so also in a way, um, I think we talk about a lot of vulnerable, like the vulnerable, like how we're so, I don't know. It's, it's tough because it's like, we're talking about how black people are so affected, but we also have to like, what we don't talk about is the resiliency, like how, mm-hmm. You're going in this to this field, you know, it's full of white folk. So we're going, y'all going to this field, just know that despite the fact that black people can be affected systemically, like in every single way, we still manage to rise. We can make mm-hmm. nothing into anything because this is what we used to do. That's what we have to do. And a lot of our behaviors and like, I think what you understand, a lot of the behaviors of black people comes from slavery. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean... We see the jokes where you're like, civil rights, get over it. Slavery, get over it. Like, civil rights, that was my granddad. You know, like, mm-hmm. what are y'all talking yeah, about? Exactly. You know, like the disconnect. And so um, 
I think like once you make that connection, if everyone understood like the connections and it would all make sense. I think, um, I think that's part of our role, my role as being in there mm-hmm. and at Berkeley, um, just the awareness. And another time I just want to share is we were in the schools because our kids are just disproportionately affected in school suspended. It's because of like how the, the, the status quo of whiteness is like ideal, but mm-hmm. black kids and black people don't grow up like that. You know, like we code switching, we figure out how to, like I said earlier, we figure out how to maneuver. Mm-hmm. So like, and everybody doesn't have that chance. And so then when they plant these people, these white people in these communities who don't know how to manage the kids or wherever the hell the black kids are, and then mm-hmm. they're trying to suspend them and we're in, mm-hmm. you're trying to get rid of the black kids, but you don't, but you don't acknowledge slavery. So you don't want to talk about the systems and how all that stuff is connected and it's set up and it's webbed and little kids, little black kids and people, we all caught up, we connect the web and the different parts of that affect how we show up in the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely, we're not aggressive. We just tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, and it takes, that's one thing you, you talked about a little bit, just touched on it a little bit, but it's like one thing I noticed working in the school district, especially working at San Andreas is continuation high school. People don't know that, um, in Marin County. And it was that we had a no knock on the therapist. We have some great therapists there and psychologists there. Um, but it's, they have a really hard time relating to a lot of kids and not just black kids. It's the kids in general, <laughs> right? Because it's the kids. These are like, it's a continuation of schools. These are kids are already yeah. going against the grain, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going against the grain in an area where everybody's kind of has like a cookie cutter mold or feel like there's a cookie mm-hmm. cutter, right? And so I would notice a lot of these kids, you know, they would tell me more than the psychologist or the therapist because they feel like they can relate to me, right? It wasn't just white you know, black kids. I had black female and black men. I had Latino kids, Latino, you know, or white students all, you know, coming to me and telling me things mm-hmm. because they feel comfortable. And that's the thing that I feel like not even just that a race thing, they need a race thing in the psychology. Of course, I mean, the psychologist is like 70% whiter and social work is like 80% white apparently. So they definitely mm-hmm. need more black people, but it's like, you need people <laughs> who just relate to the kids, right? And that's well. I feel like a lot of, you know, that, that field lacked for a long time was the kids who can actually relate. And it was because instead of actually wanting to know, do it for the kids, I feel like it was actually done for the adults. Because if you want to benefit the kids, you know, you got to, you want to do it so that you're going to, you want to get to the, the kid working with someone where he's going to feel comfortable with and someone he's going to open up to. But if you're force feeding someone, it's like, this is who you got to talk to kid, you either like them or you don't. Then it's like, it's, you're going to have a rough relationship. And that's, I think what we see a lot of, uh, yeah, I think yeah. if you have these folks who don't really have uh, a struggle, mm-hmm. we all have our problems, but like if your whole life is based in privilege, how could you ever relate to someone who's having like a real struggle? Mm-hmm. That's that, that, you know, like something that you privilege that you ba- you're, you're privileged from it. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, yeah, there's a disconnect. Like I said, it's disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so we talked a little bit, you talked a little bit on generational trauma. That's one thing we're talking about in a second. Um, but I'll say it, I would just want to get your, you know, your mindset behind the, or your thoughts behind the stigma behind, uh, mental health in the black community. So it's always, we know it's always been like, I've been guilty of it too for a while. Besides this past year, I've always been like, I'm good. I don't need to talk about it. Just it's whatever I'm gonna figure it out. Or even just like smoke it away, smoke it or drink it away. Right. That's how a ton of people do it. Right. Not just black people, but a ton of people do it. Vices. Right. So I would say, what is your, what do you think is the reason there's always been a negative stigma behind mental health in the black communities? It's just like a fear of like, 
you know, that resilience, like you're talking about. And if we feel like we talk about mental health, we're being weak or is it, you know, what is, what is your belief? Why there's a negative stigma behind it, you know, mental health. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I do know. Mm -hmm. Let me think about Mm -hmm. this. So the negative stigma, like we don't talk about our problems. Mm -hmm. I think it stems from slavery too. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to figure out how to articulate Mm -hmm. this. So like, the thing with like black people are like we're disconnected from our roots a lot of the time. Like I read this book called The Narrative in the Life of a Slave Girl. Mm-hmm. Her name it's about Linda. Her name is Linda. Mm-hmm. So like check it mm-hmm. out. Um hmm. it's a good book. Mm-hmm. It it's it's from it's from a slave's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of things mental health. So I think like we don't talk about our problems, we just deal with mm-hmm. it. Nobody wants to hear our problems. Mm, yeah. We're talking about a race problem. And like, we could clearly tell you this is a problem mm-hmm. and we're not heard. Mm-hmm. So I think we, that's like also the, that's also how it is in our community. You know, like we don't hear each other often. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I noticed that a lot of black people, we don't talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. No, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, like I, from the slave, you know, I, I think from the slave to connect it to slavery, it's like we did what we could to survive. We were surviving. We didn't have time to talk about feelings, despite all the feelings that we've had inside, you know, 400 years of slavery. That's a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. And just like you could be killed for anything being mm-hmm. a slave. And then your kids could be taken at any moment and sold. And so I think a lot of that is just generations. And then, you know, there's... um. Oh, I'm drawing blank. I want to tell you about this when you asked me. I was like, oh, I'm going to bring this up. But the trauma that you carry in your body, if you have it for so long, I'm going to look this up to find out what it's called. Yeah. Well, I don't know. My computer kind of slow. Eventually. But <laughs> it becomes, uh, oh my God, I'm going to look it up. I want to tell you the word. But mm-hmm. it becomes part mm-hmm. of your DNA and your genetics. And you pass it on because you're carrying that trauma and mm-hmm. you don't talk about it. And we don't, we don't, help, we don't address our trauma and healthy ways and we're like well why is uncle so-and-so like this and why is aunt so-and-so like that and it's like mm-hmm. well what were grandma and grandpa doing and then how they grew up and you know like what mm-hmm. was happening in their family you know and so like black people our stuff mm-hmm. stems from slavery and so i think the mental health you know like a lot of our mental we're still we're just getting to where we can actually you know mm-hmm. be more than surviving even when we're still struggling to do that, like there's pe- enough black people to where we can actually get to a point where mm-hmm. we can talk about our mm-hmm. feelings and, and, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for black men, you know, we've had to be strong. It's just so mm-hmm. they've had to be strong. I'm not I a mean, black Got man. to. I mean, same, you know, same thing for all those. I mean, most are, you know, person <sighs> in probably particular group on the planet. Definitely. Um, but also, I think the stress and the mental health is also related mm-hmm. to, like, it's all the racism. Mm-hmm. Like, systemically, that kills you. Like, that literally, this, um, our current, the health lady, yeah. that's just so <laughs> terrible, I'm saying the health lady. But the lieutenant, the, she's with mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom. Her name's Nadine Burke-Harris. Mm-hmm. She, like, started out in San Francisco, and she's the one who's looking to the ACEs, and ACEs, it's like the trauma the amount of trauma incidents you've had growing up as a child and how it affects you and how it affects your kids. And so, um, because you know, mm-hmm. what we do, what we know, and we try not, and we try to do mm-hmm. what we know. We try not to do what we know. So I feel like it's, it's mm-hmm. either that 
one of those spectrums, you know, like we either become our parents or we try to we become mm-hmm. the resistance mm. of how we grew up. So um, I don't know. I mean, that all, mm-hmm. that's why we got to talk it out, right? So we can process it mm-hmm. and make sense of it and not hold on to it. Because when we hold on to it, yeah, it kills exactly. us. And just, you know, silently. ships at you away. It's almost like a, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like every day, it's like you're a tree and it's like someone hits you with an axe every day. So it's like, it's like one day that tree is going to fall. It's like, it's, it's like, it's not, it might not be today, but it's going to be one Facts. day. You know, it's coming. Um, so how would you say if, how would you say if you feel like generational trauma has affected, you know, us as black people today? Like really besides, you know, we've got that, you know, this. Like, I feel like, you know, I mentioned, touched on a little bit before, like a crab in a bucket mentality, um, as well as just walking around. Sometimes we're just anger and like resentment, right? But how would you feel, um, how would you just, just more like classify or detail how it's really affected us in ways that you've noticed, maybe even in social work and with the kids that you work with? Um, how it's passed on. So I think... Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. generational trauma, right? That's what we're talking about. I think mm-hmm. it's for sure real. Oh, and I figure out the word mm-hmm. where it's passed on DNA, DNA's epigenetics. Okay. And mm-hmm. so that's one way it's passed on, mm-hmm. right? It's passed on through our DNA and mm-hmm. how we discipline our kids. You know, like we were slaves mm-hmm. were whipped. They can be whipped for anything. Mm-hmm. And that's how we, you know, mm-hmm. reprimand our kids. A lot of mm-hmm. us or, you know, our whoopings, you know, mm-hmm. my dad's quick to be like, I'm going to whip you. And I'm like, ugh. But people say like, I talk mm-hmm. too much. He's like, well, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be hitting on my kid. Like sometimes I resort to that, but you know, like I want to be able to communicate to you mm-hmm. what I expect you to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. I don't want to be getting beat exactly. on. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then like also genetic, I feel like generationally, mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. having black fathers. You know, um, because the system is set up to be mm-hmm. just over mm-hmm. policing black people. And so mm-hmm. a lot of black men are in, end up in mm-hmm. prison for nonsense. Mm-hmm. You and know, I think, Ooh, so bless you. <laughs> but uh, now I think that's um, uh, it's funny. I mean, crack cocaine definitely did a you got you good. You got all these out. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think, you know, crack, yeah. I mean, that was a big thing, <sighs> you know, the crack generation of the eight, you know, late 70s, 80s, you know, especially as far as like the quote unquote war on drugs, right? And that how the different sentences they have for certain mm-hmm. people. And that really, like, you know, watching documentaries, it wasn't just about, oh, people getting addicted to, you know, crack and doing this, but it was like people, what the people were selling, you know, because they couldn't get jobs or anything like that. They get it when they get one charge. And now they can't get a job. And now when they get out and they can't get a job and they already got a kid, what are they going to do? How'd you make money before? Okay, well, you know, and it's, you know, unfortunately a rotating window, a rotating door. Um, How would you say we can overcome, you know, this, this, you know, I guess curtain or black cloud that's been over, you know, the mentality of black people forever, the, the negative, you know, I don't know, thunderstorm that's been over our, our heads forever and just all the trauma we've dealt with. How do you think we can overcome that as a people? What do you think it'll take? Uh, as a people, I think mm-hmm. we have to, like... Or even as individuals. Like, what as can individuals, you think individuals can do? And as as individuals, like, I just think we have to, as Black people, we have to be open to knowing that, like, there's a lot that we don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Like there's not, there's a lot of ways that we have to figure out how to maneuver to help ourselves. Like Mm -hmm. we can't, I don't know. I just dealing with stuff. Like, you know, I see a lot about breaking the curse and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to be very intentional. Like as you become a parent or as you, how you move in the world, um, those are ways. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, I just think we have to be educated. Like, Mm -hmm. I was sending my son to this charter school and they were offering dual immersion, which is like they teach Spanish as well. Mm-hmm. And so I remember like one of the black moms was like, I don't need my child learning. I shouldn't be doing this voice. Yeah. I don't need my child mm-hmm. learning like Spanish. <laughs> and so like he only doesn't know Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like the little Latino kid knows English yeah. and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So they're already one up yeah, ahead of exactly. you. Like, what are you talking about? Your kid doesn't need to know Spanish. Yeah, don't want to take information from your crazy. kid. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's one way, you know, like educating ourselves, like, mm-hmm. like I said, with like knowing like the more like that's like I said, being that bilingual, you can go somewhere and, you know, to speak the language, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I read Trevor Noah's book mm-hmm. and he's from South. Have you read Born a, Born a Crime? No, I've had a bunch of people tell me. Read it. Oh, it's good. It's good. I mean, it'll change your perspective on things. Definitely. Because he's like. He knows hella languages mm. and he grew up, he's like very unique and how he was like, he's like, talks about how knowing a language, you know, it changes people. Mm-hmm. It connects you in a different way mm-hmm. because, you know, here in America, it's like, ah, uh-huh, speak English, mm-hmm. but really, you know, like Spanish is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So is French and all those other languages. Yeah, exactly. They connect you. Mm-hmm. Like you, someone comes in there speaking Spanish mm-hmm. that, that's coming to help you with your house or whatever. That's hella judgmental. But like, this is like from experience that came in like, hola, como esta? Mm-hmm. How you doing? You know, like, oh, say, I'm Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I know you can't talk mess yeah. and <laughs> I speak your language. Yeah, exactly. You know? For real, you know? And it's, you know? They, and you live in California. It's like, come on now. It's like, if facts. you live in California, you might as your shit, you, one, like, if you live in America, your child should know Spanish. You should know no language anyway. But it's like, especially in California, yeah. it's like, a lot of things we have are at half in Spanish. So it's like, you might as well. Facts. Like, you might as well have them learn it. Uh, I'll get off topic a little bit, but just one story you just reminded me I of. It's know. like, I, when I went to Paris a couple of years ago, and my friend and I, we got really lost. This was, we took the train station one mm-hmm. like two in the morning, got really lost. And we took the last train out. We were like 20 miles away from where we were supposed to go. And we were in the middle of nowhere. It was like four in the morning. And we only saw these two dudes, and they were waiting for a bus stop, and they spoke no English at all, like none. We then they like barely understood hello, and so we were trying to figure out how do we get like to where we're how do we get to where we're going, and we had this whole conversation based on like on Google Translate, and he would I give him my phone, he would type oh. something, and then he would give the phone back, and I would type something, and it was this whole time we had this whole conversation, and we like it was a beautiful moment, and I feel like in America I don't know if that would even happen because I feel like like you said <laughs> someone doesn't speak English, they're like get away from me, like you don't speak this, yeah Stop. I know that's so what's true. wrong with you? Why are you so stupid? You don't understand this, and it's man. But there it was like, oh, you don't understand this? Oh, let me help you. And it was, it was. A lot, I mean, yeah. granted, a lot of French people don't like Americans. I will say that they hate Americans and they don't like if you speak English. But these particular dudes were, you know, were cool. So it was, it was an interesting thing. I don't think. I mean, I think it's interesting. I wonder. That's a good point. I mean, something you you brought up made me think like when you go to a different country, are they thinking? Because you went to mm-hmm. Amsterdam too, right? Netherlands, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, I know a lot black people, when they go to different countries, they have different mm-hmm. experiences. Like it's not the same as, as, I don't know, maybe if you're white, I don't mm-hmm. know what other people look like, but I feel like it's, they're treated mm-hmm. a little different. Maybe is that an assumption just because, well, I don't know. it was in Germany. Cause everybody thought I had drugs mm-hmm. when I was in the club. 
I got asked like five times, like, hey, can I buy drugs? Can I buy this? I was like, why are you? I was like, I, was, I, was so like, I haven't even implied anything that I'm on any drug. And I was like, I'm just dancing. And you would come <laughs> up to me and ask me, like, can I, you got this, you got that. I was like, wow, okay. I was like, all right. It's, it, was, it was funny. Oh first time goodness. I was like, okay, dude, that was like, it was kind of, first time it was like, okay, that was weird. That was racist, but that was whatever. That's funny. When it happened like the third or fourth time, you're like, all right, this is, this is, come on now. Really? Man, That's what happens right? here. Okay. Exactly. Guess no. <laughs> exactly exactly uh so just getting to a little bit into you know you're giving us a ton of information a ton of good stuff to talk on uh so i just want to close out with just a couple things um so one thing i spoke with uh um last episode with uh courtney beasley psychologist was about mental health and as far as like the police because you know everyone's you know talking about defunding the police that's a huge thing we're talking about right now and so what that has looked like in some areas, we don't know. Minnesota doesn't even know. They first have been defund the police, but they don't know really what that will look like, right? Uh, we looked in San Francisco. Now they had passed something where they are going to have social workers even. I mean, this apply to you, some. Will they have social workers come in for some places for like, you know, wellness checks and some mental health calls as opposed to police? And so I want to know, what is your feelings about that? Because for me, I'm I'm like, I'm all about defunding the police and, you know, diverting funds elsewhere. But for me, as far as that particularly, I had mixed feelings about it because if I think of work, like people who have the most paperwork, like I think of like lawyers, I think of like probably uh, therapists mm-hmm. and social workers who have a ton of paperwork they probably have to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I'm just guessing based off the work you do, right? And so Facts. now not only are you having yeah. them like imagine someone's putting their health on the line because now they have to go out there and they don't have any weapons. They don't have anything else. They don't know what this person going to do. So they're going in and meeting with this person. But not only that. They're, this is going to take time from away from their, you know, their normal duties of them being overworked and already being underpaid. So this is now they have another whole new duty <laughs> to do, which a whole other thing of paperwork that they have to do, a whole other slew of paperwork. But you know, a ton of people are like, oh, well, this can lead to less people being shot. No, of course, saving lives, which is, of course, a bigger thing than paperwork. Uh, but I just want to know how you feel about it, like as a social worker particularly. particular. So like, do you feel like this is something like a health issue, something that could be, come back to bite people or is this something that like really could work in the long run? Um, I think that the people at the top should mm-hmm. consult with frontline workers, right? I feel like there's a disconnect, like people who make decisions mm-hmm. and then people who are doing the work. But I think I think it could work. I don't think the police need mm-hmm. all the funding that they get because mm-hmm. um, I was just looking at your question and like how you um, do you think giving the police a lens of aid through mental health like that kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of like what you're asking me to make me think of that and mm-hmm. like no I don't think that they're mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. system the police department you know it's based off original what it's mm-hmm. originated from it's like a good old boys. And so that's what's wrong with the system. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna bring it back, but it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's no accountability. There's no accountability there. Like they just loop the loop. The DA, the prosecutor, the the prisons. Mm-hmm. It's all loop the loop together. So like, um, I don't think social mm-hmm. work is in that loopity loop. So mm-hmm. I think social workers can help. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in the loopity loop is like CPS way, but yeah, like they're still trying to get true. you out the loopity loop. <laughs> But, you know, like, but I I think social workers can make a major, mm-hmm. just mental health workers in general mm-hmm. are, what's, are what's needed. Like, we know pe- the mm-hmm. police are out here shooting any and everybody. So I don't think, I think we definitely need to find people who are more 
trained and qualified because what you said uh coming in without a weapon mm-hmm. working at a group home you don't have no weapons working at i mean juvenile hall you have your handcuffs yeah but you can't mm-hmm. tase nobody you got you got yeah. your handcuffs <laughs> using your hands whip to somebody's like, wrist <laughs> it's a it's yeah. a mm-hmm. uh control right like you use a control hands-on like so i wonder what the police would be like if they were yeah. hands-on but they mm-hmm. that's different either way back on track um so like a mental health worker like if you worked at a group home or you worked at juvenile hall or like if you're getting trained to go out and like how to properly deal with it cool like i could say um probably like in a cps example is like maybe if you go out with the police like if you take charge, a social worker might be able to better de-escalate the situation and just have and like, come on, officer, I'll let you know. Because sometimes the officer is yeah. like, you go handle yeah. it, call me when you need me. Okay, cool. Just yeah. stay back over mm-hmm. there. I got it. I'll let you know. Mm. Just listen. So um, I think I don't think mm-hmm. it. I, I think it's a good thing to do. Like they need mm-hmm. people who are more qualified to to deal with mm-hmm. you know the real problem mm-hmm. outside of. Mm-hmm. crime yeah, whatever crime exactly. is uh, so i think it'd be good in the long run um i hope it doesn't come back i i mean in a community like vallejo where the people are getting shot mm-hmm. by the police they for sure need to like invest there's a pool malcolm there's a pool right here behind my house it hasn't been open for like years but, you know, like, but I see the police all the time. Like, why is this pool not open? Why mm-hmm. is this park behind my house outdated? Like, this mm-hmm. is a resource that Vallejo doesn't use. If I go down the street the other way, there's tons mm-hmm. of empty shopping centers. Like, but, mm-hmm. you know, our shit's run down out here. So, yes, like, if there's something for people, if people got jobs, mm-hmm. if people got stuff to do, then they're not desperate out here. And we don't mm-hmm. need the police. Like out in the suburbs, they got mm-hmm. shit to do. They don't need the police mm-hmm. like that. Like, why can't that be like mm-hmm. that everywhere? Yeah, and they, I mean, they, I, I mean, they're friendly with everybody on the suburbs. They cool with everybody. They know everybody, right? It's because they white. Mm-hmm. White is right. You know. And I mean, is? let's be real. Like, if you were, like, police officer is definitely a hard job. I'm never gonna, you know, knock a police officer. But if you're a police officer in Larkspur mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Mill Valley, I'm your job is a lot harder. It's a lot easier than someone in San Francisco or Vallejo or Oakland and Richmond. You know what I mean? They. They're probably chilling most of the day. I don't know about Vallejo, but <laughs> it's definitely yeah, easier. Yeah, I'm saying if you were a cop in Larkspur, you're probably chilling most of the day. You know, cats out of trees, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. By no means am I saying mm-hmm. their job is easy. But it's concerning that, you know, a lot of the um, incidents with Black people mm-hmm. end in death or brutality. Mm-hmm. Like, that's wrong. And it's set up, it's set up for it to, like, continuously happen because... Nobody wants to be held accountable. Like, oh, our job is so hard that we can't mm-hmm. be accountable. A doctor's yeah. job is hard. They're held accountable. Yeah. A social worker's yeah. job is super hard. They're held accountable. Exactly. A lawyer's job is hard. They're held I accountable. I mean, yeah, kind of. Look, kind of, not really. Doctor, when he died, I mean, people coming after him, right? People wanted charges against him. So it happens. And he was trying to help him, supposedly. So <laughs> supposedly, yeah. But that's, that's a whole other thing as well. <laughs> um, so I'll just you just one last question based <laughs> on, at least on this this topic of uh, mental health and uh, police mm-hmm. brutality. So let's say if they, let's say we do, you know, uh, defund the police and they revamp a whole, because apparently this happened in another city. I believe it was Camden, New Jersey. They actually did it. And they had a crime, like, deteriorate like, mm-hmm. like crazy. So let's say they revamp the whole staff. 
mm-hmm. let's say they had 500 officers city they limited to 200 officers but now those 200 officers are going to be very well trained and they mm-hmm. have to have a college degree because i don't think as a officer i don't think you need a college degree from my you just need the academy training i believe i don't know i think it's 16 16 months something like that but let's say That's they have true. to have a certain degree even if it's an associate's yeah. degree and they have to have some a lot more training in mental health do you think you will see and a lot of these incidents with police brutality or a lot of these deaths in general um if we define, if we define like, the if, police or if they have they, if so they, they have, have a requirement to get, to get a let's degree. say like they have to take six classes like from a, uh, an accredited university in some type of mental health class or some type of mental health field right instead of them just learning from the academy whatever they are told to learn or whatever they're told to think there they're taught something in a classroom that it's you know an unbiased source that's in a classroom that says this is how we this is how we uh, get a better understanding of the human brain do you think you will see no Hmm. no no because the police (laughs) malcolm i went to this thing that city of vallejo had about like de-escalation and body cams and all this stuff and it's just like from they like showed me all this stuff like if this happened if they try to attack me if they do this if they do that if 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 but it's just like nothing is going to change if the people who work mm-hmm. for the police department don't know the community you have to know the people in the community like if you're not if you don't know the people you don't understand the different people you're working with if you are not from the community if you are didn't grow up in the community and you i don't know like i just and then also it's just Mm -hmm. it's also like the attitude it's the the ambiance of the police you know like you have to get this is okay let's think about this right the people the police department has something happen and who investigates the police? That's a good question. I mean, they usually invest. Yeah, I was like, they usually investigate Internal themselves. Affairs. Yeah, they investigate yeah. themselves. They investigate themselves. Yeah. So there's no checks and balances. Like, so that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think, like, you we cannot have police officers and mm-hmm. in investigating mm-hmm. their own people. Like, cut that out. Like, no, you know. Like, so I think mm-hmm. they came up with some good laws lately. I think it's the accountability, you know, it's the setup. Then the police have the association and the association, like everybody, mm-hmm. it's all it's to follow the money. But either way, like it's all power and it's, it's, it's embedded in the police. And so like, I think what Camden, New Jersey did, like just get rid of mm-hmm. that, like cut it, cut it back. You're like, let's put that money elsewhere. And I think that really is what it's going to take. Like mm-hmm. the police aren't it. You know, we've been trying this for years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to keep asking for the same stuff. Are we, you know, fool me once? Shame mm-hmm. on me. Fool me twice. Like, shame on you. Is. I know what you meant, though. Yeah. Oh, wait, it's the other way around. Yeah. Shame on you. Mm-hmm. Shame on me. Shame on me. Shame on me, right? Like, I keep asking you for the same mm-hmm. thing. Nothing's happening. Oh, oh my answer. goodness. Dance. <laughs> it's Sorry, all right, y'all. It's podcast. all right. That's a, we, she, got answer, she got answers in the house. My just bad, y'all. You know, Don't answer. even worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a summer. You know, somewhere, somewhere, okay? somewhere, somebody listening is probably squishing an ant right now as they're going to hear this. So. But exactly. it's but for real, for real, like it's embedded in the system. So I, I just like mm-hmm. we have to dismantle that system. It's mm-hmm. it, there's no educating these cops. Mm-hmm. There's no educating that system. It's just we have to put that money elsewhere and hope that whoever's funding it and leading it is coming from a genuine place. It's not trying to be, mm-hmm. you know, 
capitalist and mm-hmm. is really trying to just make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. People who are just trying to make the world yeah. a better place. Definitely. Um, Cause I mean, there's too many people looking out for their own pockets and it's like, there's enough money for everybody. You ain't got to just worry about money. There's like, we can always mm-hmm. print some more. We've been doing it for years. Oh, so we can always print it as inflation goes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just doing the right thing. You know, if you need people that's out here doing the right thing, you know, like, Something's wrong. People do try mm-hmm. and blow the whistle, and they're still reprimanded. So mm-hmm. that's what yeah, I'm saying. We got dismantled this whole thing. And as far as in liberating and educating yourself, and that's one thing the internet can do is like it makes it so you can get your own information. It's hard to filter it out because there's so much, but it's like you can at least get your own information and get what you need to do and get out. You know, not have to read and be blinded by all this other stuff. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. I'll I'll say this this, this the one of the last big questions I have for you. So it'll be what 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 mental health services or, or you know resources out there do you think can empower the black community or really uplift the black community, liberate? Ooh. Mm-hmm. So you mean, what mental health resources? Or it, just, it, it doesn't yeah. have to be like it could be like, mental, it could be like telehealth. Sound. It could be you know different books or anything. It doesn't have to be anything black related. But anything that can any type of mental health services that can liberate you know black people or can help uh, help empower us. Mental health services. Mm-hmm. I just think uh, therapy. Uh, I definitely think therapy works. Um, mm-hmm. I think meditation, like I just watched the little Stefan Marbury film on Netflix and he talked about like how he got, he like prayed and meditated more and like, because meditation helps you like clear your mind and like you learn to focus and like your thoughts and whatever's mm-hmm. happening doesn't like freak you out, but like you learn to process it and think it through. So I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, definitely talking about it, definitely like learning to take time to calm yourself down um other mental health reading right so like the more you know um just reading about other people like other people like inspirational stuff people who like find their grooves um i think i get a lot of my stuff like stand positive right like i listen to stuff and i like get quotes from them like yeah that's good mm-hmm. you know like i make a list of quotes and mm-hmm. like they help me stay motivated um like mm-hmm. affirmations, those are that's another way to say that, I guess. And hmm, other mm-hmm. mental health is simply going outside mm-hmm. and getting some mm-hmm. fresh air and nature and being active. Those are other ways to like help your mental health. Um, some other good ways mm-hmm. that like groups, like community groups, like get your people if you get together and do stuff together. That is good for you because mm-hmm. being connected is good for your mental health. Um, it helps you check yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like check yourself and your thoughts. Mm. So, um, I mean, you gave like five or six right people. there. I mean, that's at least a jumping off point for somebody. I mean, but the, the whole point, if y'all didn't know by now, the whole point of focus of this is, is regardless who you are, black people specifically take care of those mental health services, but everybody, you know, go out there, especially with Corona going right now, if there's not something going on with you, if this didn't affect you mentally somehow, I mean, you, I guess. I don't know. You must be uh, Jeff Bezos or somebody, I guess, or Zuckerberg. You've been making money this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah stop shopping on what Amazon. You said Amazon? It's ridiculous. Yeah, don't I don't, don't buy, I don't buy on anything off Amazon. No, I, stopped. I, stopped I buy off eBay only. It's not fair. He, he made... He got billions. Hey, at least eBay. their stock is worth... They're worth like... A, $20 compared to what uh, Amazon's stock is worth. So I feel a little better about it. Their stock is worth like 50 bucks. Amazon was worth like 1800 so... <laughs> yeah so i feel i feel a little better at least Ooh. contributing to ebay 
Well, uh, yeah. So I'll say that as, as you, a, you know, you. black woman who's, you know, endured a lot of stuff and, you know, conquered a lot of feats and, you know, been singled out and, uh, you know, gone through the mud, at least got out the mud, we can say now because you graduated. Uh, what would you say is your obligation as a black woman <laughs> uh, with a voice specifically, you know, for the next generation, you know, and for the uh, to empower the next group of uh, black youth? What is your obligation for that? To that? Hmm, my obligation is like right now I could say I just want like you like you said earlier is to liberate our minds you know like we are so much more mm. than what we're told we are right like I talk about I, you know like I was talking and I was just like mm, we'll, we'll be told you know black people are less and we like that's like what's fed to us. We're less, we don't see ourselves, um, all these different things. But like, you have to be, I think it's, we have to be intentional about seeing ourselves. Like what we watch, are we watching ourselves? Like growing up, my mom always played on black shows. She watched a lot of white shows too. But like, you know, seeing ourselves, um, that's one way, you know, I try and Mm -hmm. like watch stuff where you see yourself. That helps you, you know, like, one way. Mm-hmm. And then also like education, you know, like if we know the past, we can mm-hmm. kind of have, we can kind of figure out where we don't want to go. Like, and be intentional in that way. Um, like the generational help, trauma and being intentional about how we interact with our people. Um, so I don't know, call, call people out, you know, like my mom says mm-hmm. stuff sometimes and I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. but, like, do you even think it like, I love my mom. She works in Oakland and she's like, we went to Oakland to pick up something mm-hmm. and, you know, they have a homeless population. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are black and she's like, uh, it's so dirty out yeah. here. And I was yeah. like, girl, it's not dirty. <laughs> yeah. They homeless. Yeah. Like, of course it's dirty. The they live dirty. there. Yeah. Like, it's the street under mm-hmm. the freeway. Like, what are we talking about? You know? So, I don't know. I just, you know, like, those are different ways or they're like, or like something so ratchet. family and friends are saying, like, or, like people uh, drop the yeah. F yeah, not even ratchet, mm-hmm. just, like, not thoughtful, you know? Like, I try, like, as a black woman, I just try and, like, we all are going through something. So I think if we just have a little bit more understanding and empathy, um, and then we understand our history, and we understand, like, if we understand our history, we understand, like, some of the some mm-hmm. of the reasons that we are the way we are. And then if we understand mm-hmm. other people are the way they are from their history and their lives, you know, like, if we just have the understanding... I don't know. Like mm-hmm. that's what that's how I try to move in the world and how I try to interact with people. You know, like if we understand what's mm-hmm. going on, then mm-hmm. it'll give us some insight mm-hmm. and how to show up and how to deal with different people. So like that's hopefully what I can share mm-hmm. as a black professional, you know, like mm-hmm. systemically I'm about to go into CPS. Yeah. <laughs> that's my plan, because I'm gonna plan to plan this it's money back. Now. So I'm gonna go to CPS. <laughs> And I'm going to try and do, right, exactly. So I'm going to mm-hmm. try and get some of this systemic mm-hmm. change in here in the little ways I can. Um, and hopefully I would mm-hmm. love to, we have like a garden going here. Like mm-hmm. uh, my fiance, he's super good, mm-hmm. but the, he has this green thumb shoddy. So like, I would love to teach like gardening mm-hmm. and um, to like mm-hmm. inner city youth to like not yeah. inner city. I don't know why I said that. So like the kids around here, like I want to get like a food sustainability going because you know a black community mm-hmm. in general. I'm black, black, black. Mm-hmm. Sorry, black any black. any listeners, mm-hmm. I'm all black. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we out here struggling. Yeah, blacky black. 
So I just want us to teach, like, I want us to be able to garden and cook healthy and take all those lovely foods that we've grown up with and eat in moderation and be able to, like, grow mm-hmm. our own food. Because yeah. here in Vallejo is a food desert. So um, if we could just not have to rely on the grocery store mm-hmm. and we could figure it out ourselves, like, good for us, you know? So that's one way. And just... Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that's beautiful. You actually reminded me of the way you said the the. I mean, talking about the green thumb. There was actually a TED talk. This guy, he was a teacher in New York, and he actually uh, there's two who did it, and they did the they did all the sustainable gardens. There was uh, I think it was in the Bronx somewhere. I don't remember, but they did some sustainable gardening. And they created this whole nonprofit that the city got behind, and now they have gardens that they give. You know, they the kids eat their own veggies, and it's it's crazy. You should if you if you see it, go find it. I, I'm describing it horribly. I don't know the name or anything. I'm sorry, y'all, but. Check it out. Um, no, you're not. Cool, but mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. You, you've given us a ton of stuff. We've been talking for a little over an hour now, and then it's like, that's, I mean, we, if, you, if you didn't get learn anything from this podcast or this episode, wherever listening, I mean, you guys weren't listening, I guess. But uh, <laughs> is there any, like, any, if there's anyone who has any other questions they want to have uh, asked for you or check any other resources, uh, where can they find you on social media? If there's any, maybe not Ooh. Facebook. I don't know if you want to give out your Facebook or hide some things, but is there anywhere they can, any way they can contact you or with any questions or anything they want to follow up? Oh man, mm. this is a first. Um, well, you always should be an email. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really gotten myself up off the ground. I'm just, I'm just a mom out here trying to figure it out, y'all. Don't it just looks good? It's just hard. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> um, my personal email. You can always email me. I will respond as best I can. Is d a y n a d m s one at gmail. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one way. And then on Instagram, I'm Donkey Dane. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there you yeah, go. we can have a conversation. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, video chat. I don't know. Whatever. However, they uh, prefer to pin like age range. I guess TikTok yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's good too. But, TikTok. Yeah, no, I'm. I still ain't got that. I'm not gonna get one of those. <laughs> I deleted Snapchat. I'm not getting a TikTok in there. I'm. I'm good. But uh, like yeah, thank you again, cause it was you know beautiful hearing uh you know talking to you and you know picking your brain a little bit. I'm um, hopefully everyone listening uh, will appreciate it, cause. <laughs> Put a lot, we put in a lot of effort into this and you know spoke truth from the heart so that's what we're here for but uh anything else for the listeners you want to say to them anything for the beautiful people out there um well thanks mm-hmm. for listening i guess check out og mm-hmm. and me my mm-hmm. cousin he and his father and his featured mm-hmm. guests and support black business exactly exactly and i got some stickers i'm working on that i'm finishing up right now some things just, we're all got shooting down the pipe, but uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, until next episode. Bye.